Hey everyone, welcome to the latest episode of the Canadian Reg Tech Association's podcast series. This one's titled Knowledge Graph, the digital twin of your data. It's well recognized that having good quality data can provide business value through improved customer experience, regulatory and operational efficiency. But large, complex organizations in particular still face challenges in accessing data quickly, accurately, and in the right context. In today's podcast, we will be discussing how knowledge graphs can be used to improve an organization's data management framework and deliver insights at the speed and scalability of the business demands. Um, from an introduction, I'm uh, Paul McCrory. I'll be your host today. Uh, by way of a bit of background, I'm a uh, delivery lead at um, CABC in the uh, technology uh, department focusing in capital markets. CABC is a member of the CRTA. And for those of you who don't know, the CRTA or the Canadian Reg Tech Association, we're a nonprofit organization focused on solving regulatory challenges through collaborative efforts between key reg tech stakeholders, including regulated entities, technology vendors, and regulator, regulatory bodies. Joining me today, we have two folks. Um, one first is Elizabeth Bethany, Vice President of CRE Labs. This is also a CRTA member. Liz is responsible for market strategy and direction at CRE Labs. Before joining CRE, Liz is head of financial markets at Quantexa. Liz has advised financial institutions on designing effective AML programs and managed investigations for large global financial institutions. She also spent more than eight years with the U.S. intelligence community at the CIA, Treasury, and DEA. She also teaches AML compliance and risk management. Harsh Sharma is our second guest. He's a senior advisor at Open Knowledge Graph Labs. He's a member of the EDM Council and Chief Analytics Officer at Parable. Uh, Harsh is a global data management and analytics executive dedicated to helping organizations transform their data into high-value business assets. Harsh is passionate about delivering innovative solutions to support business imperatives such as regulatory compliance, risk management, data simplification, operational efficiencies, and monetizing data assets. He also serves as a strategic advisor to C-level business and IT leadership across the private and public sectors. So, uh, Harsh and Liz, thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast. Um, we're going to dive right in, and I'd like to um, understand, you know, starting with you, Harsh, from a definition perspective, what, what are we talking about? What is a knowledge graph? Like, graph databases have been around for a while. What's driving the interest in knowledge graphs? How are they different, and uh, where are we talking about them today? Sure. Uh, first of all, Paul, thank you for the opportunity to participate in this exciting session. Uh, regarding your question, what's a knowledge graph? Being a business user and a data modeler by background, I think of knowledge graph as software that mimics human brain. You know, we think of connections and relationships between things in some context and how to leverage those to gain some insights of significance. In the enterprise context, to me, Knowledge graph is that ginormous network of things and connections, like the living, breathing brain of an enterprise that continues to learn and help discover patterns, insights of business relevance, essentially helping unlock the value from global disjointed data ecosystems. Another way to think about a knowledge graph is a corporate version of LinkedIn, which we all use, of course. Graph databases have been around for 15 plus years. What has really fueled the increasing interest is addition of advanced machine learning, AI, compute power, 
to discover insights we didn't know. Of course, companies like Google are the pioneers in this space and others like Facebook, LinkedIn, Netflix have developed multi-billion dollar businesses based on this technology. Now enterprises in different industries are looking at how they can harness the power of this technology to unlock value from their data, monetize their data assets, and accelerate their digital transformation. And by the way, you might have heard quotes from industry analysts like Gartner and others that graph time has come, or knowledge graph is the new black. And Liz, do you have something to add in terms of a definition? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, especially in the AML space, the, the way I think of the primary value that graph can add is really essentially adding context or, or sort of telling a story. So like, you know, historically, um, a lot of the work that's been done around AML and financial crimes has, has sort of been focused on, you know, individual transactions, individual customers. But I think what Graph has really brought to the industry is the ability to tell a story, to get a more holistic view of, you know, a customer, a transaction, um, sort of their network um, and, and their relationships. So instead of looking um, and, and seeing sort of uh, a limited view of a customer or their behavior. The, the graph is sort of allowing a quick access to more of a narrative, more of a story and more context and really enabling better decisions to be made based off of that. So I think, I think that's a huge part of the value. Mm -hmm. That's great. Okay, so uh, let's dig a little further. Um, understand some of the data challenges that large kind of complex enterprises face where knowledge graphs can be applied uh, along, and it's very much uh, in vogue, and data's organizational, or an organization's data journey. Can, can we start with you, Liz, to take us a little further there? Yeah, I, th I think one of the data challenges specifically for larger firms is um, trying to figure out where all of their data is, right? There, there's so much that can be done with graph within the AML financial crime space, but it really depends on being able to identify where the most relevant data is, where, where it sits within the organization, and sort of bringing that together, right? So that, so that the graph can leverage all of that disparate data from across the organization, which is so valuable, right? And, and from different perspectives, be it customer data, transaction data, um, sort of product and service data, what, what customers, what type of relationships customers have with these institutions. So identifying data and then bringing it together. I think the, the other sort of challenge we see a lot of is being able to share that data with, within the enterprise across teams. And particularly within, a, within AML, there's so much be, being done between the first and second lines. The first line, of course, being client facing or business unit staff the second line being that dedicated AML compliance staff. So there's so much exchange of information that has to happen between those two lines of defense. So part of the challenge is, you know, how do I, what data do I need and how do I bring it together? But then also how do I enable it to be shared across those lines of defense and then be shared in a very consistent way so that, you know, one line of defense isn't seeing, you know, a, a certain view of a customer or transactions and then another line of defense is seeing a different view. There has to be a lot of consistency across that data and across those lines of defense. Interesting. I'm curious, like who um, within, especially these larger organizations with the multi-faceted from a division perspective, who takes the lead 
um, with knowledge graphs in an enterprise and, and where are they actually utilized within the org? Um, I guess I can opine on that for a few uh, as it pertains to AML. I mean, there's sort of two primary cohorts, right? Um, you know, you've got your end users um, that's going to be your sort of your management on the AML side of things, your, your director of the FIU, your chief AML officer, um, chief compliance officer, entity uh, individuals like that. Um, and then on the data side, you know, you're, you're, you're probably going to be bringing in your IT teams, uh, your data teams, your data governance teams, um, folks like that that are responsible for determining what is the data strategy for the institution um, and how do they go about enabling that from an IT perspective. And then of course, you've got to have those subject matter individuals, like I said, the chief AML officer, or the FIU director, and sort of equivalents that are speaking from a subject matter um, side of the organization. Lisa, if I may add to that a bit. So I'm also seeing that the chief data officers and also the chief data analytics officers and their teams are also increasingly getting involved in evaluating what knowledge graphs can do, the technology, of course, working with the technology partners. But the chief data officers play an important role here because they can see where the organizational data is or they're building the enterprise data catalogs, et cetera. And as part of their enterprise data strategy, where would the knowledge graphs add value? So I'm starting to see an increasing participation and interest in this space from the CDOs and the CDAOs. Yeah, I mean, if, if I could just add to that, I think we're seeing that a lot in AML too, because a lot of the changes that are happening in AML or the AML space are sort of intersecting with larger data and IT transformation projects that are going on in the organization. So yeah, Harsh, I completely agree. Of course, that, that's gonna require those types of folks to be um, not only involved in those broader decisions for the enterprise, but uh, in those decisions that are more specific to AML and financial crimes projects as well. Yeah. Especially on the topics like data quality, as, as you pointed out, the governance, but at the end of the day, if you don't trust that data, is going to impact across the entire AML investigation and the outcomes of you know, false positives, et cetera. So that's where CDOs are also involved. Yeah, interesting. Okay, it's, it's, again, it's, it seems it's a timely and expansive across the work. So you, know, you touched on it a little bit. For, um, I'd like to understand the use cases. So I know there's a variety in, in the application of, of knowledge graph. So, um, Starting with you, Liz, can we talk about like use cases from a financial services perspective first? Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is one of the things I really love talking about because like you said, Paul, I mean, there's so many. Um, I think what I'll cover today is just like a couple of the primary ones, you know, again, specific to AML and financial crimes. Um, so there's so much going on in the KYC space right now, right? That That's gonna be a big one. Um, and in particular, because a lot of the banks are focusing on automation, right? Um, transform, transforming their approaches to a lot of the processes that happen within um, a KYC program to automate them. Um, there's a lot of data that's required. A lot of the data is coming from external sources, disparate sources. Um, so there's a lot of effort around automation. So a key use case for graph is within the KYC realm. So not only does the graph enable the automation of that data collection, um, it also enables the automation of the synthesis of data. 
So KYC is such a sort of an operational component of the AML program. There's a lot of work to be done um, because you're dealing with, it's based on essentially the number of customers the bank is onboarding, which can be extremely high, right? So a lot of that work needs to get done. It needs to get done quickly in order to get that customer onboarded. So what we're finding is that by using the graph, you're creating all of this automation, you're synthesizing information about the customer very quickly so that the bank can make those decisions about whether or not they want to onboard a customer very, very quickly. And they're starting to see features of the customers that they may not have been able to at least quickly find and evaluate before graph, right? So KYC is, is certainly a huge one. Um, and in particular, the enhanced due diligence process piece of an overarching KYC program. So that's where you're digging a little bit deeper into who the customer is, what they do, and sort of risk factors about that customer. And I think what we're finding, I think in AML writ large, um, and more specifically associated with the customer is that it's not just one factor, right? Um, you, you have to take a holistic approach as to how you look at a customer. And so the graph enables, um, a bunch of different factors, you know, you're able to bring a bunch of different risk factors together and look at them um, together, sort of in context with each other. So again, you're taking a 360 view as opposed to a very sort of focused view on one type of risk factor of the customer. I think this, the second one, um, second big one is around investigations, right? So in AML investigations, it's all about determining where that risk is and where that suspicious activity exists. So again, before, um, much of the approach was around a single transaction or maybe several transactions um, or maybe one component of a customer's risk. So with graph, you're able to bring both sides of that risk um, view together, the customer view and the transactional view, right? And so you're building a much broader story about who the customer is and what types of activity they're engaging in, right? And ultimately to determine, is that suspicious? Does it need to be reported? Um, I think the other thing that is driving this is, you know, criminals are getting more and more sophisticated every day. And in a lot of ways, they're, they're way ahead of us, right? We're, we're trying to keep up with them. Um, so the more sophisticated they get, the more you know, we're realizing that the typologies that they're using are very, very complex, right? And so it's a matter of a collection of companies, a collection of individuals, um, a, a pattern of transactions. You know, it's that kind of analysis and evaluation that's gonna get you to the point where you can make very well-informed decisions about whether or not you've got suspicious activity and um, whether it has to be reported. So those are two of the primary use cases. And I think Graph is essentially not only speeding up the process, but making the process more effective as well. Liz, if I may add to that with the COVID um, you know, crisis, a lot of the financial organizations are also looking at mixing some of the like the COVID infection clusters by zip codes and who are the customers they have who might have their mortgages or credit cards, et cetera, what kind of risk that uh, entails to the bank. So it's a good example of like, you know, where leveraging or mixing publicly available data sets like from John Hopkins, CDC and elsewhere, financial institutions are also trying to kind of further tweak their risk assessment. Fascinating. So 
outside of FIs, you know, and financial institutions. Where Harsh, I know you're you're involved in in other kind of uh, industry. So can you can you widen out our discussion a bit and other, give us a few more examples where knowledge graphs are um, are, are leveraged? Sure, Paul. So I'm starting to see like pharmaceuticals, CPG, that's consumer product groups, defense, energy industry, also looking at things like supply chain optimization. What's the risk if because of geopolitical realities, if they want to seek suppliers from other ge geographies, for example. Then there are use cases around, especially in the industrial and manufacturing area, predictive failure of equipment or parts, prioritizing processing of crude oil from different tanker types, for example, in the petroleum, oil, and gas industry. On the life sciences research and development side in the world of pharmaceuticals, also starting to see how they can develop a holistic view of a disease or a genomic target and potential therapeutics. Another example is what decisions went into termination of a clinical trial? And could that be used to be more predictive about the success of the new trials, for example? I also hear stuff like developing a global vaccine knowledge graph that takes the real world input or insights from as folks are getting vaccinated, what are the side effects by population, by geography, et cetera. So that kind of analytics is also becoming, uh, coming to the uh, forefront. On the government side, I have also worked with a couple of agencies around you know, fraud and abuse of federal grants, equitable distribution of funding, et cetera. Of course, as Liz also talked about in the law enforcement, looking at crime, terrorist networks, cross-border flow of money among bad actors is also a heavy graph use case. And the last one in the area of cybersecurity and data privacy, these are also areas where use of graph is emerging. You know, how many places John Smith's data resides in my company? And if because of California consumer privacy law, if John Smith from LA calls to say, erase my data, how do you know how many places his data lives in the organization? And which applications, which business processes are consuming that data? So that holistic view is another good example of graph databases and the knowledge graphs. It sounds like you know it's, it's, it's where the data is available and the opportunities are endless. So it's fascinating. Um, so looking forward, I'd like to talk about a couple things. Um, but from Harsh, can we start with you though? Uh, can you share your work you're doing at the EDM Council uh, with Open Knowledge Graph Lab and how it will promote mutualized uh, value and adaptation? Uh, adoption, sorry. Sure. So Enterprise Data Management Council is a global cross-industry, not-for-profit data advocacy. And our goal is to help our members unlock the value from their data. You know, via adoption of best practices, architectures, data maturity assessment, benchmarking, cloud data management best practices, and even industry data standards such as financial industry business ontology. Think of that as the vocabulary of the Wall Street, if you will. It's a well-adopted industry data standard. There's also, of course, increasing participation from non-financial industries now, such as automotive, healthcare, pharma, telecom, et cetera. 
regarding the open knowledge graph lab so last year we established this lab as a global ecosystem of enterprise consumers graph and cloud technology makers system integrators management consultancies and data aggregators and marketplace makers our goal really is to promote collaborative development and adoption of industry specific and also cross industry business use cases that are of mutualized value and we do this via iterative and collaborative development of use case specific prototypes to give you an example we started with a fraud aml use case developed in 90 days prototype we leveraged public open data sets and graph solutions contributed by different graph vendors and we demonstrated that how banks can improve their client onboarding as liz was also highlighting customer due diligence improve the accuracy of financial crime investigations and reporting to the regulators what was interesting about this prototype was that it was led by the subject matter experts not the geeks no disrespect to the geeks of course but it was driven by the business experts and we developed before and after econometrics to show that how we can lower the cost of aml operations and reporting by up to 30 to 40% in an enterprise as you know banks spend hundreds of millions annually to address these challenges now banks can take these aml knowledge graph artifacts from the lab and try it out using their own data sets to demonstrate the value and liz as you also mentioned data sharing is a major challenge so now we are in the lab looking at prototyping uh, architectures like confidential computing differential privacy that enables the cloud architecture where banks can run machine models analytics of mutual interest without actually sharing or exposing their data and as the next step to engage with the regulators we are also starting outreach to different agencies such as fincen and others to identify how they can a of course to seek their input but also how de demonstrate how they can get value from such efforts and of course we'll welcome participation and input from your audience to broaden the value of such initiatives and leverage open source assets across different communities It's interesting. So I think, like again, I know we're kind of wrapping up here, but I think from a going forward, from a future, some questions that people listening would like love to ask is, uh, Liz, to start with you, how do you kind of walk through the value? It's obvious to parent to us, but how do you walk through and this value proposition um, from a business executive perspective? Yeah, uh, I mean, if there's so much, there's there's so many types of value that you know you can draw from graph or the use of graph. I, I think the ones that I would focus on um, specifically are obviously for AML and financial crimes. The the exploration of data is like is so critical, and not just the data, but the patterns that um, show themselves in the data once the graph is leveraged. Right, um, those patterns essentially help inform understanding of risk. Right, and, and once you have that better understanding um, you, you get you, it leads you to better risk identification and also better risk estimation in particular when it comes to customers and of course the associated customer risk rating right and it you know sort of jumping off of that given 
more precise customer risk ratings, that sort of enables banks to then more surgically go in and determine which customers they're going to exit, for instance, or which products or services they might end up um, exiting out of business, right? Um, and so that is hugely important because the more you're able to more precisely identify where your risk is, in particular, the risk that's sort of beyond your risk appetite, um, you can enable yourself to only exit out of that bis business that is most risky um, and, and be able to rely on that estimation of what's most risky um, while still retaining business and retaining business revenue, right? So surgically de-risking is a critical sort of, you know, strategic value of employing graph, right? Um, in addition to that, what I would say is um, given all of the sort of technology transformation that's going on in a lot of banks today, in particular, sort of a future state of a machine learning type model, um, in particular with their KYC programs, I think it's sort of like graph sits right in the middle of all of that. So like between current state and future state, a future state being this sort of machine learning driven um, program, graph is sort of right in the middle because what graph is really um, good in doing is allowing banks to get, again, more of that network view of risk. And so they can derive network driven features. So as opposed to a feature for a machine learning model being something as simple as a high risk jurisdiction, by taking a network view of customers and their transactional behavior, banks can derive sort of network driven features to then um, plug into their machine learning models and train those models based off of those sort of more precise or complex features. So I think that's a huge strategic value as well. Liz, I think as you said, you know, you need to tell the story. The graph needs to tell the story. And in addition to the risk aspect you mentioned, on the operational side, for example, if you change a supplier for a global energy equipment maker, that was resulting in $100 million extra shipping cost of the final equipment, for example. So how do you lower the cost? How do you improve the supply chain? Those are some of the additional, uh, what you call tangible outcomes or KPIs. Basically, you need to sit with the business and explain to them before and after knowledge graph or the morning after. You know, will it improve the business process? Would it reduce the number of steps like productivity gains? or better able to comply to some of the regulatory mandates coming, you know, those letters from Washington, the matter requiring urgent attention. How would you address those more effectively auto, in an automated manner? So I would say that the business speak and the value demonstration through some tangible KPIs or outcomes is super critical. Okay, so lastly, I mean, it's, the value is clear, but lastly, what are some, in your experiences in the industry, what are some, uh, some of the barriers you're facing from an, uh, you know, to adopt from an enterprise-wide adoption perspective? I would say that overall, while certainly there is excitement and interest in this space, adoption is still use case by use case. An enterprise-wide adoption is still not happening, but it's coming up. We are seeing more and more use cases and awareness. So I think communicating, the, like making folks more aware, especially on the business side, on the value or the potential 
is required. Also, I see the lack of knowledge graph skills or the skilled resources is a challenge. You know, how do you solution a knowledge graph use case? On the plus side, I do see that as an opportunity for the chief data officers to take a more proactive role in promoting awareness, value to the business, also, of course, to the technology partners, but most important to the business CXOs. And I believe that with the right business value KPI focus, knowledge graph will become a key ingredient to the enterprise data strategy and implementation of what I call the enterprise digital brain. Yeah, I, I, I think what I would add to that, Paul, is, is education and training, I think, is super, super important. Um, but I think, you know, sometimes, especially what we see with banks is just there's so many competing priorities. And given all the technology transformation that's happening right now, sometimes it's they might users might understand the value of graph. But in the context of all of the other um, transformation projects they have going on, um, it, 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 graph is just not one of those things that rises to the to priority one. But that's why I go back to, given given where graph sits within that technology transformation, particularly if the goal is machine learning, I think when clients start to take into account how graph sits within that equation, they start to look at it a little bit differently and understand that in fact maybe graph is an intermediate step to getting to that sort of machine learning future state. Liz, I agree to that. I think uh, going and selling just knowledge graph by itself is not going to kind of, you know, get many proponents, but as part of an overall architecture of a business solution or a high value business initiatives and being able to show that why graph will certainly get attention. And I've seen more success that way than just saying, I got a cool knowledge graph, you got to use it. That's my practitioner's learning, of course. <laughs> I agree, Harsh. Yep. I really appreciate this conversation. I think that's all we have time for today, uh, but there's much more to discuss. Thanks very much, um, Harsh and Liz, for your uh, valuable answers to these questions and your time that you've taken out of your schedules today. Um, thanks to the audience as well for listening in and tuning in. Um, we'll have the website available and uh, please review for upcoming podcasts from the CRTA. And, uh, thanks again.